the road to the Super Bowl is long and pointless. I mean, when you think about it. <laughs> Football's so great. But now, the two conference champs must survive a harrowing bye week that no one enjoys. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys, episode 21, the freaking Super Bowl extravaganza. This week's show is like Gronk at an after party. It's lit! And uh, in just a moment, we will get to our news of the week, but first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central is Andy, the prognosticator. Attridge, how are you today, buddy? I'm excited, very excited, and also a little sad. Excited about the big game on the weekend, and a little sad as this is our last NFL podcast for the season. I did want to take this time to say thank you to our faithful listeners. We've been downloaded in no less than four different continents. And you mentioned to me recently that we were quite popular in Japan. Yeah, I didn't think we'd get plays in Asia, but here we are. Maybe it's because of our in-depth coverage of their national kayaking program. Our next story has a Japanese kayaker, Yashiuri Suzuki, who's been handed an eight-year ban after spiking rival Seiji Kamatsu's drink so he would fail a drug test. Per ESPN, the Japan Anti-Doping Agency revealed on Tuesday that Suzuki spiked Kamatsu's drink with an anabolic steroid back in September at the National Championships. An investigation was sparked when Kamatsu failed a doping test and was disqualified from the 2017 Canoe Sprint Japan Championships, but denied taking drugs. Suzuki, 32, subsequently admitted to spiking his drink. And per Japanese public broadcaster NHK, he told Federation officials he was frustrated and did not think he could win. That is a unique idea and a lot more civil than what Tanya Harding hatched. If I were any NFL team playing in Cleveland next season, I would be double-checking the Gatorade bucket for roofies in LSD. Nonetheless, I'm ecstatic that we are big there. We ended up 2-0 on championship weekend, which puts us 6-4 uh, against the spread in the playoffs. Underdogs are now 9-1 against the number in the postseason so far, a trend that we haven't seen like that for, for quite a while. Yeah, we'll have a slightly different format for this episode. We'll be throwing out some prop bets and picks as well. Andy will be testing me with some Super Bowl trivia and also some funny clips from some previous Almost Wise Guys podcasts this season. This will lead up to our picks on the final outcome of the game. Let's move on to News of the Week. Bill Cosby did a stand-up performance in his hometown of Philadelphia last week. It marks his first appearance on stage since his criminal sexual assault trial. Over the weekend, Cosby's social media accounts featured photos of his, him visiting a barber and a cafe in the area and showing support for the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Yeah, I always found it interesting that his social media accounts never showed him finger-banging an unconscious woman. Now you will get ready for the Zim Zam and the Babbity Bibbity, and you will take off your clothes like voo and voom and get ready for the most splendiferous pudding pop you have ever seen. But uh, his mere presence in Philadelphia at the time of the game has Minnesota fans oh. clamoring for a roofie test on the Gatorade inside the cooler on the Viking sideline. And it would certainly explain their performance in the last game. Perhaps they should have coated the containers ahead of time with Crisco oil to prevent tampering. Grease me up, woman! Okie dokie. Mr. President, already this year, over a dozen players have been suspended for the use of performance-enhancing drugs. What would you say to players to improve this situation? I promise Donald J. Trump... I promise Donald J. Trump that I will never take drugs. I will never take drugs. I don't want to say no alcohol, but take it easy on the alcohol. Right? And you know what else? No cigarettes. I guess those last two points were for Deshaun Kaiser and Jay Cutler. New York Jets wide receiver Robbie Anderson was arrested on multiple felony charges early Friday morning in Sunrise, Florida, according to police records obtained by the NFL.com. Anderson was arrested on suspicion of reckless driving, evading police, and threatening a public servant after he initially failed to yield during a traffic stop. The incident occurred after a police officer noticed Anderson driving at a high rate of speed while conducting another traffic stop. The officer determined Anderson was driving at 105 miles an hour in a 45 zone while giving chase. Uh, Anderson failed to pull over as the cops followed him with their lights and sirens on, and they reported he was driving erratically. Anderson eventually stopped, according to the report, but resisted being placed in a patrol car after being handcuffed by officers. He then threatened to harm a family member of one of the arresting officers. In all... Anderson is facing the possibility of two felonies and two misdemeanors. This is Anderson's second arrest in less than a year. He was arrested on suspicion of resisting arrest with violence in Miami in May. Anderson could be subject to potential NFL discipline under the league's personal conduct policy. Could be subject to? They'll suspend guys like Martavis Bryant of the Steelers and Darren Waller of the Ravens for an entire season for testing positive for marijuana. Chantrell Henderson of the Bills received a 10-game suspension for his second positive marijuana test. But Henderson's case differs a little. Henderson has been diagnosed with Crohn's disease, and medical marijuana is a common treatment for the condition. Yeah, 10 games for weed, but two games for knocking your chick out in an elevator. Uh, The league's view on justice is about as consistent as their view on what constitutes a fucking catch. The league needs to do a better job of dealing with violent offenders and let those who need the ganja partake. The XFL version 2.0. Vince McMahon will invest $100 million of his own money into resurrecting the XFL, which has not played a game in 17 years. 
This time it will be different. Players will not be allowed to take a personal stance during the national anthem. There will be no flashy cheerleaders and antics. The games will be two hours long, and athletes with a criminal record will not be allowed to play in the league. No criminal record? The NFL fans should feel relieved to know they won't be able to poach a good 50% of their players. Also, that should hamper recruitment from rapey schools like Florida State. Like, what's he going to do next? Ban WWE performers from taking roids? So you mean by that the very definition of uh, criminal, that would exclude Screech from Saved by the Bell, who was convicted of carrying a concealed weapon and disorderly conduct, what was originally charged in a stabbing incident, Matthew McConaughey for, wait for it, drug possession, and also Bill Gates, and many people didn't know that he was convicted of driving without a license and speeding. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older... They stay the same age. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Speaking of illegal activity, this brings us to our very first trivia question of the week, Maddie. What Super Bowl quarterback had been linked to a federal gambling investigation in days leading up to the game? Hmm. Joe Willie Namath? No, I'm just playing. Tom Brady. Uh, Nope. Five days before Super Bowl IV... National news reports linked Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Len Dawson to a gambler named Donald Dice Dawson, no relation, who was arrested and found to be carrying the quarterback's telephone number in his pocket. (laughs) Dice Dawson. I like that. I wonder if he's related to the Dice Man, Andrew Dice Clay. I think the best part of being gay is when you're done, you could turn over and talk about football. U.S. astronaut Jeanette Epps has been removed from her upcoming mission to the International Space Station just months before the launch. Dr. Epps was to have been the first African-American astronaut assigned to the space station crew. She would have flown aboard a Russian Soyuz flight in June, but is being replaced by another astronaut. NASA has not given a reason for withdrawing her, but says she will be considered for future missions. Let me get this straight. This astronaut is female, black, well-educated, wants to get out of the country and would have direct access to the Russians for a long period of time. However, NASA won't allow it? Sounds like NASA doesn't have a full understanding of its own government's immigration, foreign, and gender policies. Uh, But water is such a uh, precious resource up here that we also uh, are cleaning up our urine and making it drinkable, and it's really not as bad as it sounds. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Better you than me. (laughs) All right, let's fire it up with our weekly picks. The Super Bowl. The game of games. The gamblers delight the most expensive ticket in town, and as some dog lovers refer to it as the Puppy Bowl post-game show. All right, here's another trivia question for you, Maddie. The NFL has come a long way from the first Super Bowl, which is not even called the Super Bowl. Do you know what it was called? Power Sweep Sunday? Very close. Uh, Those backers were masters of the power sweep, but it was actually called the AFL-NFL World Championship Game. 
sometimes it's hard to evaluate the line in the big game because there have been so few of them. The Eagles have only been there once since the early 80s. Now, if they were only playing a team with a larger sample size with which to draw predictive conclusions, oh, that's right, this will be Tom Brady's eighth Super Bowl appearance in his last 17 years in the league. Wide open in the end zone, touchdown Patriots! Beautiful pass by Tom Brady. Yeah, Brady! He's awesome! I can't believe Giselle gets to sleep with him. Let's quickly look at how he has fared so far in seven trips to the big dance. As we know, he has five rings and two losses, both to the Giants. But more importantly for our purposes, here are the margin of victories for all seven matches in chronological order. Three-point win against the Rams. Three-point win against the Panthers. Three-point win against the Eagles. Three-point loss to the Giants. Four-point loss to the Giants. Four-point win over the Seahawks. And last year, yield a six-point win over the Falcons in overtime. The point is, regardless of their success and being able to usually get out of there with a win, they are always close games. Well, I can only imagine the mood in Philly this week. People wearing dog masks, walking down the street next to Crisco greased poles, getting ready for Super Bowl 52. Eagles fans who will be attending the Super Bowl will make their pilgrimage to Minnesota, where Viking fans are still stinging from their big loss to Philadelphia. I heard an analogy this week that having to host the Eagles and their often unruly fans for Super Bowl 52 in Minneapolis is like having your ex's wedding after he or she dumped you in your backyard and not being invited. Also, you were talking about some prop bets earlier, Andy, and I'm uh, very interested in one prop bet because this has happened to the Eagles before. What's the over-under? Or what's actually, it's probably not a good over-under bet. What would be the probability of their quarterback puking in the huddle? Um, Well, if you look at the sample size of their last two games, it's one for two. Um, I'm not sure if McNabb's going to be on the sidelines, maybe he can puke there um, in a proxy format. It's a coin toss. toss. Yeah. Let's get to some prop bets. Yeah. I'm just going to talk about prop bets in general. um, So you can kind of see where our strategy is coming from. Um, Year over year, prop bets in terms of a percentage are uh, increasing as terms of revenue for the bookmakers. The general public, as we know, generally speaking, is uninformed, and a lot of people that are going to be betting on this game are doing so simply for entertainment or conversation purposes, or just good, fun stories. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not at all. You will get people to bet on if the game will go to overtime. You know, right now that's at 8-1, to one, or uh, minus 2,500 if you're saying no. It's only happened once in 51 games. Will there be a safety at plus 750? Well, it happened three years in a row in this decade, but that's a statistical anomaly. In this episode, we will try to flush out some props with good value. They probably won't be flashy or get a big reaction at your Super Bowl party, but if you simply want to be on the winning side by the time the Lombardi Trophy is hoisted, you should be in for a good spot. Generally speaking, any prop that's about minus 150 or above will probably be a good bet. Another advantage informed bettors have over the next door neighbor who bets once a year and usually on the favorite at the Super Bowl is shop around the prop bet. Another advantage to prop betting is that unlike betting the side, total or money line, which are going to be the three sharpest numbers on the board all year long because of the interest in scrutiny. But when there are 350 prop bets available, they can't all be good numbers.
The IOC suspended the Russian Olympic Committee, but will allow athletes to compete as neutrals. Russia could refuse the offer and boycott the Games. Russian President Vladimir Putin has previously said that it would be humiliating for Mother Russia to compete without national symbols. It is harsh, but definitely warranted in the instance of state-sponsored doping. Yeah, and, you know, Russia could get creative with it as well. On the old flag, they had the hammer and sickle. Maybe they could get a new Olympic-like neutral flag kind of thing and adopt the new symbols like a syringe and a whizzinator. I just feel bad for Donald Trump now, though. His, his favorite team's no longer playing. It's almost like being a Browns fan in August. All right, let's move on to our next trivia question, Maddie. The line right now sits at minus four and a half for the Patriots. What team was the most heavily favored going into a Super Bowl game? Baltimore? Uh, you're close. In fact, they they were the team that overcome had overcome as underdogs the largest spread in history. But going into the Super Bowl, it was uh, actually 23 years ago yesterday, San Francisco 49ers were 18 and a half point favorites over San Diego. By the way, the 49ers did cover that number. You may not know this, Maddie, but I have been creating my own Super Bowl props for over a decade. In fact, since George W. Jr. was in office. Been quite a year. Had a little, got a little nauseous there in Tokyo. <laughs> Should have seen the look on the Prime Minister's face there. Oh, Mr. Bush, you look like you're going to bro chunk. Yeah, not to toot my own horn, but I've gotten rather good at it. Although you won't be able to wager them at a casino, I will introduce a couple of them for you for interest sake throughout the, uh, the podcast. Yeah, let's do that. Well, yeah, I got one for you right now. This one has a big upside. At plus 900, will Donald Trump fly over U.S. Bank Stadium and Air Force One before the game, only to jump out of the plane and proceed to parachute to midfield just in time to administer the coin toss? Did you say plus 900? Shit, I'm all over that like a fat kid on Smarties. All right, this next one's actually legitimate. And we're just going to be talking about the MVP of the game in certain instances. So for the sake of this conversation, let's consider Zach Ertz. Bovada has him at 18 to 1. Bet Online has him at 20 to 1. And Five Dimes has him at 25 to 1. That's a huge discrepancy, and all it has to do is the type of action a particular book has already taken on a side, teaser, or tola, or other props. Uh, my point is, shop it around. Here's another example. With Considering the same three bookmakers, Tory Smith is listed to be an MVP, one at 33 to one, one at 75 to one, and one at 90 to one. Now, well, let's like look back. That's almost a 60-point 60, 60 swing. Oh, it's, it's, it's a huge difference. So if we go back to the example of Zach Ertz, one, one more time closely. So Bill Belichick is renowned for taking away the other team's best weapon, which I think in the Eagles' case would be a Mr. Ertz at tight end. Cashing this bet would certainly require an Eagles outright win. Even a Herculean effort by Ertz, say 180 yards through the air, two touchdowns, probably would not result in an MVP without a winning score for the Eagles. No, you got to win the now, game. You got to win the you, game. You have to win the game. Now, how many times has a tight end never been the MVP? I actually can't think of one. That's because it's never happened. In fact, only six wide receivers have ever won. Their names are Lynn Swan, Fred Belitnikoff, Jerry Rice, Dion Branch, Heinz Ward, and Santonio Holmes. No disrespect to Zach, but I don't think anyone would be comparing him to these guys, at least not yet. 
Oh. There's a lot of weird stuff going um, going on in New England. Um, you know, they put together a pretty impressive season. Michael J. Fox is not on their team. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know what the real reason for the success is. Uh, it's unbelievable. And if you think about it, I just I got here eight years ago, so maybe that's the reason. <laughs> That, of course, was Rob Gronkowski, but I'm guessing that if you had Michael J. Fox on the team, that he would probably be a 1,000-yard slot receiver. Yeah, it's pretty shaky hands, though. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, knew I can't gonna believe you didn't think I, I knew you were going to do that. I fucking knew you were going to do that. Uh, it's sad, though. It's Marty McFly. It's Marty McFly, that. but he couldn't play guitar. I know. Now. It's throwing a meatball over the fucking plate, right? <laughs> <laughs> Michael J. Fox is one of my favorite guys in the world, and I knew, I knew you fucking did <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Uh, all right. Um... <laughs> While we're talking about MVPs, let's consider defensive players. Next trivia question. Who was the first defensive player to win MVP? Lawrence Taylor. The price is wrong, bitch. Actually, it was a long time before that. It was Chuck Howley, a linebacker for the Cowboys, who were actually beat by the Baltimore Colts that year, 16-13, to which also makes him the only player to win the honors playing on a losing team. By the way, he had two INTs that game. There have been a total of 10 defensive players to win the award. Where am I going with this? 66. 66 what? 66 to 1 is what the odds are on Fletcher Cox to win MVP. He is arguably the best defensive player in the game, and if the Eagles have a snowball's chance in hell of winning, they will need a big day for number 91. So you are saying that there's going to be a lot of cocks in Brady's face on Sunday. I want me some glory, ho. I'd buy that for a dollar. One more trivia, quick trivia question before we move along. Of the 51 Super Bowls that have already been played, how many underdogs have covered the point spread? 22. Right on the number, dude. 22 and 27 favorites and two pushes. But more importantly, eight of the last Super Bowls have had the dog cover the spread. And in fact, four of the last six Super Bowls have the dog winning outright, um, including Super Bowl 49, where the Pats beat the Seahawks 28 to 24. Seattle were one point favorites. The leading rusher in that game by far was Marshawn Lynch with 102 yards on the ground. Speaking of random drug testing, you mentioned on our podcast a few episodes ago that the then-suspended Marshawn Lynch worked out with a football team at his former alma mater, Oakland Technical High School. We suggested that he should complete all the required English classes while he was there. Let's see how that worked out for him this past Sunday when he was asked to provide a urine sample. Now, if y'all don't understand what this is, this is when you got to pull your ding-ding sauce your ding ding sauce out and give them a, 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 a what is it called? A urine sample. What? What do you call it, Grandma? 
Grandma Ding Ding sauce. <laughs> no, man, grabbing my Ding Ding. Oh, grabbing. I thought you grabbing. said Grandma I, I Ding Ding sauce. you said let's move on to total rushing yards and this one caught my eye too total rushing yards for the game nick Foles minus two and a half it's sitting at minus 10 either way now this is obviously nick Foles and not michael vick but you have to imagine in a big game like this it's third and three or third and four and no one's open he's gonna rush for the first down that yeah. being said the past three seasons, his rushing average yards per game are 0.4, minus 1.3, and 1.8. Still, 2.5 is pretty doable. Ironically, the line is identical for Tom Brady as well. Oh, Tom Brady is not running for two and a half yards, though. Tom oh, Brady I think, does, he, I think oh, it's he, possible. Oh, he could, and maybe he would lumber for I've. It is so rare to see Tom Brady on the other side of the line of scrimmage. It, true, but which it team is. now has LeGarrette Blunt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about the Patriots rushing yard props because there isn't a human other than Josh McDaniels who has any idea who Belichick will go to on any given Sunday. I do, however, think Deion Lewis will have a big day, but that could be through screen passes or even special teams play. At minus 200, you can bet the New England will have more than four and a half different rushers during the game. I like that one. On the other side of the ball, I do like Jay Ajayi to go over 62.5 rushing yards, especially if you think the Eagles will be keeping it close. Also, you can bet on his longest run of the day. Um, I've seen numbers as low as 13.5 and as high as 14.5, uh, going from minus 138 to about an even money proposition. And we've seen that this year he's quite capable of breaking one out every now and then. In fact, he averages 5.8 yards of carry. So that's another prop to consider as well. Yeah, and they're really going to need him to break loose into the secondary on a couple runs if they want to keep the ball in their hands and keep New England off offense off the field. So I think that's a great bet. All right, trivia time. Who is the only player to score three touchdowns in a Super Bowl game twice? Uh, that... Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. Uh, yeah, I think you'll notice a bit of a San Francisco bias to some of my questions. You know what? But, That's why I guessed that. I, well, like, you know, but when you I, win that many you're, Super Bowls. You're such Bowls, a Niners honk. I love you for it, buddy. Yeah, but when you win that many Super Bowls, your name's going to come up in these conversations more yeah, often than that. That's not. true. When you're talking about receivers, he's the GOAT. Now, speaking of Jerry Rice, uh, he said last week, at the age of 55, he would love to once again come back and play in the Bay Area with the Raiders under new head coach John Gruden. He was overheard saying to Gruden, perhaps jokingly, that he still has about 80 catches still left in him. Well, perhaps he could be the guy that sets the NFL record for the amount of yards gained after contact with a walker. I'm Wilfred Brimley, and I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. Actually, about I, uh, diabetes and... Uh... uh uh, you know, uh, diabetes. All right, we got one last news item. A quote-unquote potentially hazardous asteroid could pass by Earth during Super Bowl 52. According to the Daily Mail's Phoebe Weston, 
NASA has identified the 2002 AJ-129 asteroid that is scheduled to buzz past the planet at 67,000 miles per hour on Sunday, February the 4th. Fear not, though, football fans. According to Asteroid Watch on Twitter, the massive rock will only come as close as 2.6 million miles to the Earth as the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles get set to duke it out at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Ironically, at 2.6 million miles, that is still exponentially closer than the Cleveland Browns will get to the big dance anytime soon. In addition to regular game bets, novelty prop bets are always popular. We always hear about people betting the over-under on the length of the national anthem, the coin toss, and always bets related to the halftime show. The halftime show in Super Bowl 52, or LII, is Justin Timberlake. Uh, before we get to that, one quick trivia question. Why were Roman numerals introduced to identify each Super Bowl? Since the football season falls in two calendar years. You're exactly right, sir. Hi-oh! Right now, you can bet if there will be a wardrobe malfunction during Justin Timberlake's halftime show. Qualifier must expose intimate part of body. Uh, the yes is at plus 1,500, and the no is at minus 4,000. I realize that the government shutdown last week suspended scrutiny by the FCC, but trust me, we ain't going to see that one again. Throw out another quick and boring prop bet, but probably one you want to cash in. Opening kickoff to be a touchback. Here comes the kick. Oh! As a doctor, I'd say he's had enough. But as a football fan... These two kickers will be amped up. Not sexy, but cha-ching. Speaking of cha-ching, remember week six? Kansas City at home as four-and-a-half-point favorites against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And last week against the Jags, Big Ben looked like Ben Kingsley could have done a better job. He had five picks and said this about his own performance. I'm not playing well enough. Why is that? Don't think so, but maybe I am. Maybe I don't have it anymore. They are a very tough team to read. They pound the Ravens in Baltimore and then promptly lose to the Jags at home. One thing is for sure, though, their inconsistency has a little bit to do with locker room distractions, Roethlisberger's aging arm, and Mike Tomlin's inability to effectively lead the team. And, and let me qualify your point about Tomlin. Last week, they played Jacksonville, who had the best pass defense in the entire league and the worst rush defense in the entire league. So what do the Steelers do? The running backs combined had less than 20 carries and Roethlisberger had 55 pass attempts. Like it just didn't make any sense. Now the Chiefs had had an impressive road win against the Texans putting up 42 points. And by the way, Alex Smith looked really good. He had three touchdowns and 324 passing yards. And the game was not even as close as the score dictated. Houston did put up some meaningless points late in the game. 
Andy Reid's Chiefs are 5-0 and straight up this year, and more importantly to us, 5-0 and against the spread. Now, if you ask 10 NFL fans who the best team is right now, I'm guessing that most of them would probably say the Chiefs. The reality is, though, from a talent standpoint, the Steelers are a much superior team. The Chiefs' rush defense is not very good. Ben is a drama queen that makes everything seem worse than it really is. I think that this is a great spot for the Steelers to bounce back. Instead of names like Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell, be thinking about names like Bob Greasy, Mercury Morris, and Larry Zonka, because they will be the ones celebrating the most after this game. There will be some corks popped in Miami this weekend, baby. I am taking the points and Pittsburgh. I got to disagree with you there, bud, because the Steelers bouncing back this week, they have not been on at all. And the Chiefs, like Alex Smith, is on fire. I got to tell you, with their numbers against the spread and the fact that it's at Arrowhead Stadium, Arrowhead Stadium is one of the greatest home field advantages in sports. That's worth three points on its own. Then you take maybe another point and a half on there because it's four and a half. I'll take KC at home with the points. Yeah, it's not a straightforward one, but, you know, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. First loss of the season. Please hang up and try again. I can just picture those Eagles fans verbally and most likely physically assaulting Patriots fans while wearing those dog masks to avoid surveillance cameras and ultimately prison. And speaking of dogs, thank you to my dog, Woody. Yeah, thanks, Woody. Money all year, buddy. Yeah, to our loyal listeners, you know that Maddie and I detest the idea of Thursday night games, so much so that we conducted a nonviolent protest by having my dog, Woody, pick these games by selecting to eat from one of two dog dishes of food indigenous to the city where each team is from. It kind of took on a life of its own and became an almost famous standby on Facebook with video footage of his selections every week. Thank you to Woody for being such a good sport. By the way, if you're curious, he posted a winning record of 7, 5, and 1, or a winning percentage of 58.3, which most handicappers would be very pleased with, especially this season. However, to put that in perspective, 58.3% is better than all eight contributors to CBS Sports expert picks. Their best person is 54.6. And all six of Sports Illustrated quote-unquote experts their best pickers hitting 55.2% against the spread. I love it when a plan comes together. In fairness to the experts, Woody's sample size was only 13 picks. But typically, Thursday games are the most difficult to select. We look forward to his selections next year. Yeah, Andy, if he's that good, why don't we have him pick the Super Bowl winner? Ah, Matty, you ruined the surprise. As luck would have it, he already has. Woody has made his final selection. He picked from a dish of Philadelphia cheesesteak and New England clam chowder. And against the spread, he liked. Our listeners will have to go to our Facebook page to see us pick. Almost wise, guys. I won't spoil it, but I will say it required a booth review from New York weighing in on the final decision. Another good proposition bet that I really like is the first half to go under. Um, under 24 right now it's at minus 120 now these two teams rarely play each other and they will be likely to start off slow to feel each other out belichick as we know is the master of halftime adjustments 
But think how slowly the Pats started against both the Titans and the Jags, and that was at home. Now, I think we all know that in Tom Brady's seven Super Bowl appearances, they've never once scored a touchdown in the first quarter. The Eagles' front seven on defense is probably the best in the league. And as the public generally starts betting the over closer to game time, don't be surprised if this gets to 24, 24 and a half by kickoff. You better believe that betting against the public is usually a good strategy. But I subscribe to the law of contrary public opinion. If everyone thinks one thing, then I say bet the other way. All right, one more trivia question. The lowest predicted total of any game occurred in 2001 when the Baltimore Ravens played the New York football giants. And also during a three-year stretch between 1973 and 1975. What was that total? 40 points. No, way high. It was actually 33. And uh, side note, all three games in the 70s went under that number. Wow. Now, one more question going to the other spectrum, the offensive side of the ball. Which team set the record at 602 for most yards gained in a Super Bowl? Oh, I remember that one when I was a kid. Mark Rippon and his Washington Redskins. That's right. Six touchdowns, uh, 1988. And speaking of teams with politically incorrect names, this past week, the Cleveland Indians retired Chief Wahoo as their mascot, and he will no longer appear on their uniforms. What do you think this means for the professional football team from Washington? Well... Dan Snyder isn't just a member of the Piece of Crap Club. He sits on their board of directors. I wouldn't be surprised if he went and bought the trademark to Chief Wahoo and put him on the sidelines along with the Redskins mascot. You know, calling Dan Snyder a penis with ears is actually an affront to all those trans penises undergoing surgery out there. I think South Park had the right idea on how to deal with this. Now when people hear the name Redskins, they will immediately think titties and bows. It's just a bold new way that we can say we don't fucking care. Go Redskins! So, those are my main prop picks. If you do have a little extra money to play with and you intend on watching the pregame shows, there will be odds up on what color Gatorade will be dumped on the winning head coach. This isn't rocket science, but check out what color it is during the pregame and you can probably have a good idea of what will be in the buckets during the game. We shall assume there will be no performance-enhancing drugs laced into the liquid. So you're, saying, so you're saying, wait a second, Bill Cosby will not be on the sideline. I think that he's not. Yeah, I don't think he'll be welcome in Minnesota. And on his Instagram page, we won't see him finger banging an unconscious player. I hope not. <laughs> that is a disgusting act. Maddie, do you remember having different colors of Gatorade on the sidelines at the same time? No, it was always lemon lime. All four years I played in college, lemon lime. So orange is not a good pick. Well, Red's not a good pick. No, I, I mean, I remember when the Panthers won the NFC Championship, they, they dumped like blue Gatorade on them, but it's so rare to see something other than Lemon Lime. All right, we'll go with Lemon Lime. And now for what you've all been waiting for. This is the official almost wise guys against the spread pick on the Philadelphia Eagles against the New England Patriots playing in Super Bowl 52 for the 2017-2018 season. Drum roll, please. From the city of brotherly love, home of the Liberty Bell, cheesesteak sandwiches, 
Benjamin Franklin, Rocky, the Fresh Prince, and fans who throw batteries at Santa Claus. I'm taking the points and going with the Eagles, baby. What about you, Maddie? Well, I got to preface this with saying when I was a kid, uh, although being a huge Bears fan, always had a lot of respect for Reggie White, who was one of my all-time favorite players, the Minister of Defense, and I always mm-hmm. loved Randall Cunningham. Yep. And uh, I'd really not just like to see the Eagles cover and win outright, but I have a good feeling that uh, just like you were saying with the point spread or the points for the last bundle of Super Bowls the Patriots have been in, they don't climb up very high, and the Patriots often get off to a very slow start. I think that the Eagles cover and uh, Super Bowl Fifty Two is going to be another good one for the books. Well, thank you to all our fans for listening to episode 21 of Almost Wise Guys and to anyone who downloaded a podcast this season. If you, if, if you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all games, including Woody's pick on the Super Bowl. From the Cosa Nostra studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated our podcast, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next season at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. Try to be best, cause you're only a man.